What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. We've got the NBA season right around the corner, so today's episode will feature a full-on NBA preview. We'll also touch on some news in the NFL, Major League Baseball, and some big announcements in college football. Episode 4 coming at you right now. What's up, everyone? I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host, Preston Pangburn. It is Wednesday night at the time that we are recording this. Believe it or not, we are already 10% of the way done with the Major League Baseball season, and we've got NBA starting tomorrow night. P, how you feeling? Feeling good, man. I need the NBA back, as do most people. Um, As much as me and you love Major League Baseball, not everyone does. Uh, No one really loves the two months of the year where, uh, you know, basketball has ended and football has yet to start. So this will be huge for my mental state. Ready for some NBA basketball tomorrow? I feel you, man. Having two sports going on at one time is a game changer. I'm, I'm pretty pumped to have that. So today we're going to kick it off with an NBA preview. First of all, we're going to kind of look back on the regular season that's already happened because most of it's already done. We're going to talk about who we believe should win the, the major NBA awards. And then we're going to look forward to a preview of the playoffs that are coming up. So let's kick it off a little MVP talk. Preston, who do you have as your NBA most valuable player for the season? So first, I want to preface this for anyone who maybe hasn't heard. The NBA came out and announced that they're not considering these last eight to 10, however many there are seeding games in the awards. Um, They're basing it off of the regular season that has already happened prior to the shutdown a couple months ago. Uh, So that being said, although I think that LeBron was building a little bit of momentum towards the end there and might have caught Giannis, I think it's got to be Giannis. I mean, he's the reigning defending MVP, and this year he he put up better numbers. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. So, I mean, the, the case for LeBron, if you were to make a case, is that he is clearly the best player and just leader, floor general, on the best team in the league's most difficult conference, the Western Conference. He's leading the NBA in assists. So, I mean, he's, he's clearly kind of making things happen. He's the facilitator for that team. He's having a great year. He's averaging 25.7 points, 7.9 rebounds, and 10.6 assists per game. But despite how good that is, and despite how good the Lakers have been, I still don't think this is very close. See, I at least think it's close. I mean, he's he's got to be in the conversation. He's in the conversation. I agree. He he is second. I, I consider that in the conversation. And I love LeBron. You know that. I love LeBron more than anybody. I'm a huge LeBron guy. But I, just, I still think it should be clear. I still think it should be close to unanimous. Yeah, I mean, you're literally wearing your LeBron Witness shirt right now. So <laughs> I so I, I, you have some credibility there. But yeah, like you said, LeBron averaging 26, 11, and 8 for a runaway number one seed in the Western Conference. Um, and like I said, building momentum there towards the end. Before the shutdown in two of their last three games, um, the Lakers beat the Clips and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. And in those games, against the Clippers, LeBron had 37, 8, and 8. And against the Bucks, 28, 9, 
and eight. I mean, LeBron was was cooking with gas towards the end there. So, like I said, he was building momentum. Might have caught Giannis, but that being said, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, the shutdown definitely changed things. At the time that the NBA got shut down, there was a lot of momentum in LeBron's direction. Giannis was about to have to sit out uh, at least some games with a knee injury, while LeBron had just beat Giannis and was on fire. He was playing great at the time. So, who knows what would have happened, but... There's no really reason to speculate in this case because it didn't happen. So go ahead and make your case why you think Giannis should be MVP. Well, he won MVP last year. And like I said, his numbers are better this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's averaging 30 points and 14 rebounds, and he's playing less than 31 minutes per game. That's That was one of my main notes is the, the insanity of his efficiency is just, it's crazy. Like... 31 minutes per game in putting up those numbers. He's third in the NBA in points per game and third in the NBA in rebounds per game. He also is a really solid contributor with assists. I mean, he's a good passer. He averages 5.8 assists per game. And then on top of all of that, he is a contender for defensive player of the year and his team has the best record in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he's good at everything. And I think that their coach, Mike Buttonholzer, is clearly, you know, kind of holding him back a little bit to try and preserve him for the playoffs. Um, and, you know, hopefully it'll work. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about stats, but not only that, it's also just the eye test with him. You were showing me on your phone a highlight of him the other day, and we were just kind of awed by these plays that he has that look strange as a sports fan. Like, you're just watching this, and all of a sudden, he's like driving baseline. He's behind the backboard. You don't expect him to do it, and he dunks it because he's so long, and he's so athletic, and you just like, you see these things despite the fact that you're used to watching the most insane athletes in the world. He still does things that you don't expect. It's crazy how fluid he is for his size, being 6'11". Um, you know the, the Space Jam play at yes. the very end yes. where the Monstars are holding MJ back and yeah. he dunks from freaking half court? That's what Giannis does. Exactly. He takes like one dribble from like three-quarters court and dunks it. Yeah, it's insane. It's wild to watch. It's fun. I mean, I love the guy. He's only 25 years old, which still blows my mind. Um, I mean, we're going to see a lot of him in years to come. I, I would not be at all surprised if this is not his last MVP. Oh, no. I, I would be shocked if it was. I mean, w- when does it stop? Who, who's going to overtake him? Exactly. Yeah, he's he's going to be a complete monster for the foreseeable future. Yeah, he is. And a question that we'll, we'll get to later, it's probably a conversation for another time, but does he stay in Milwaukee if they don't win it this year? Because yeah. he can control his own destiny, and he's he might be the next kind of LeBron. Like Where he goes kind of dictates where the balance of power in the league is going to be. For sure. And it's interesting in a league that has a max contract. Like I just, I just think about if the NBA did not have a max, how much money that guy would make. It would be unbelievable. Yep. And he would deserve every bit of it. Yes, he would. He, Like you said, he's 25 years old. That is scary to think about. Yeah, let's move on now because we both are in pretty solid agreement about that one. Let's talk about Rookie of the Year. Um, this is another one that people really only bring up two names. In my opinion, it should still only be one name. So, I mean, Zion Williamson is the one that everyone thinks about as a great rookie, and he has been great in the games that he's played. He's averaging 23.6 points per game. It's weird to me that he is only averaging 6.8 rebounds per game. A guy like him who's as big and athletic as he is, I feel like he'd be averaging more. But even though he's looked great, he still played 19 games this season. So I just don't think you can even consider him. I agree with you. And I I honestly think that the NBA is kind of trying to force feed us Zion. They are. Um, I mean, I love the guy. He's a freak athlete. He can jump through the gym. He started to develop a three-point shot. He's going to be, you know, one of the most exciting players in the league for the next 10 to 12 years. But he's played 19 games, like you said. Um, I I just, I don't think he's quite there yet. I think rookie of the year, hands down, Ja Morant. It's got to be Ja. And not only is he just really good, 
He's also really fun to watch. Like, I love how frequently Ja Morant tries to put guys in body bags. Like, that guy tries to dunk on everyone's head despite the fact that he's like 6'2", 170. I think he was the lightest player listed in the NBA last year. He's going after people, and I love it. Yeah, he's awesome. He can he can jump out the gym. He averaged 18 points and seven assists this year for a promising young Grizzlies team. Um, and another side note about John Morant. Do you remember his dad from the draft? I don't. Remind me. He looked awesome. He wore like a 1960s suit and he kind of looks exactly like Usher. Okay, now that you mentioned that, I do remember him and I remember thinking he was awesome. He like, showed he was up a legend. literally dressed like a pimp and was like, my son's <laughs> getting picked number two. I'm rich. I love that guy. Yeah, Jaws, my cleared rookie of the year. And once again, we're not really going to have a debate or disagreement about this one. One guy that I do want to kind of put out there because he's getting a lot of hype in the last week or two is Bull Bull. You heard a lot about Bull Bull recently? I have. He's been killing it. He's been killing it, yeah. Um, He was originally, when he entered college, I mean, kind of at the beginning of that season, was projected to be maybe a top five pick, and then he had an injury that derailed his college career. He fell from a potential top five pick to 44th overall, went second in the draft. But within the last week or so, he had his first ever taste of NBA action and looked great. He had like 16 points, 10 rebounds, and six blocks in limited minutes. I think he could be really good and really fun to watch. Obviously not in contention for rookie of the year, but a guy in that class to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if he had never gotten injured, he would have gone way higher, like you said. Great talent, son of Manute Bowl. So he's got some NBA genes. We'll see what he's able to do throughout his career. And I mean, how can you not pull for a guy named Bull Bull? I can only <laughs> imagine if one of us was named Pangburn Pangburn, we would have to be in the NBA by now. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. He's one of those guys, like you look at him and with how tall he is and just the way he's built, it's hard to have a ton of confidence that he's going to remain injury-free. But just as a basketball fan, I really hope that he does because he could be a stud. He's whatever he is, 7'2", and very skilled. Like the guy can handle the ball. The guy can shoot from the outside. He's a great shot blocker. I mean, that could be, he could be awesome. Yeah, he's he's a monster. In the highlights we saw the other night, he pulled down a rebound down at his end, brought the ball up the court, pulled up from like four feet behind the three-point line and drained it. Yeah, I actually Heat forgot check. about Yeah, seriously, I forgot about this, but I think that um, it was either Charles Barkley or Shaq can't remember who, but either way, someone who was good at basketball and and has some credibility here said that if they were to build a team around one rookie, it wouldn't be John Morant or Zion. It would be Bull Bull. And I thought that was a pretty big statement. That is a big statement. And I have to disagree with that big time, (laughs) especially with the way that the game's evolved. I mean, you've got to be a pretty serious athlete if you're playing the five position, uh, really be able to to make things happen on both ends of the floor for that high of praise. But maybe maybe some hyperbole there from uh, either Barkley or Shaq, whoever it was. Maybe so. But regardless, I personally am very excited to watch Bull Bull. And rightfully so, Bull Bull, an exciting young player. There's a lot of them in the league right now. So switching over now, let's do um, Defensive Player of the Year. I believe you mentioned a little bit ago when we were talking about MVP that you're taking Giannis for Defensive Player of the Year. Is that right? I am. I, I think that Giannis is my Defensive Player of the Year. If you look at the advanced metrics, he's just so good in every aspect on the defensive side of the floor. Like when people try to shoot in the paint with him defending, he leads the league in opposing field goal percentage. When he's forced to switch on to guards, he's really good at defending the pick and roll. He's like the rare combination of someone that has enough strength to guard big guys and enough length and quickness to guard the guards on the perimeter. There's like, I mean, you hear about these people all the time that are like really valuable and capable of defending multiple positions but I don't think there's anybody in recent memory who is as capable 
as Giannis of defending one through five. Like he can legitimately guard every position. Yeah, I mean, he's just so athletic and so long. He's 6'11", but his wingspan is what, like 9'8"? Yes, he has the longest arms ever. He's a monster. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he can touch the floor without bending over. <laughs> so so you've got Giannis for Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going in a different direction on this one. I'm going with Los Angeles Lakers center uh, Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. I'm going with AD, the brow here. He's averaging 2.4 blocks and 1.5 steals on the season. Really, really good defensive player. I can't dispute anything you said about Giannis I think that if he gets it that's completely warranted but my thought process here is it's kind of like when two college football quarterbacks are up for the Heisman Trophy Mm -hmm. whichever one gets it they're just going to give the other one the Maxwell Award Mm -hmm. I think because Giannis wins MVP they just go with Anthony Davis for DPOY so that's fair that's my pick okay I can get with that I mean I think it's interesting one thing I was I was thinking about when I was kind of looking at stats is just in sports in general how the award winners are kind of changing like there's all these statistics that we have used for decades in order to determine who is most worthy of a certain award and like historically for example in major league baseball like the pitcher with the best era and the most wins would win the cy young but that's not the case anymore because that's it's been shown that those aren't the stats that are most indicative of someone's success or someone's you know how good they've been how well they've been pitching it's the same thing in basketball like anthony davis's blocks and steals per game are actually considerably higher than Giannis. but all these other stats like opposing field goal percentage as the primary defender and points per 100 possessions defending the pick and roll like Giannis has just distinct advantages in those stats and that's why i picked him okay well it's hard for me to just disagree with the advanced metrics i, I believe you um, but i'm going with ad okay fair enough and then i think another contender that we need to put out there is rudy gobert who has already won defensive player of the year twice but i was just kind of thinking about him i actually think he's going to be hurt from the voters by how much of an idiot he's been with all the COVID stuff. <laughs> like legitimately yeah. like no one wants to give that guy anything right now yeah i think that it came out that donovan mitchell actually got it first for the utah jazz and transmitted it to rudy gobert and the rest of the team but because it came out first that gobert had it i think that he is guilty in the court of public opinion yes and that could count against him i mean it's just the fact that he was the, the idiot touching all the microphones first and then he got it and then second of all once they went into the bubble and announced that the snitch hotline was a thing where they could like you know kind of rat each other out as far as violating protocols he was the first guy that came out and said don't call the snitch hotline like that's ridiculous so i mean that guy just out of anybody just needs to keep his mouth shut right now yeah rudy he's an interesting player he's a really good defensive player um he's been in the news for some of the wrong reasons as we mentioned for the last couple years do you remember i don't think it was this season it was the year before he got snubbed for the all-star team and the rumor was that he literally cried about it (laughs) they said he broke down and cried in the locker room i mean i get it that's tough i mean he does have one of the better nicknames in sports as far as being appropriate for what he's good at the stifle tower that is a fantastic nickname he is a frenchman the stifle tower is very appropriate i'm all about that let's move to a different award now let's go to sixth man of the year who do you have and why so i've got a competition here between two teammates from the los angeles clippers Mm -hmm. i think it's between montrez harrell uh, power forward and lou williams 
guard. Okay. Um, I wonder if Lou gets hurt at all from this news of the past two weeks. Um, Montrez Harrell, he's a ton of energy off the bench. Uh, plays 28 minutes a game, averaging 19 points. Really good two-way player. Uh, so I'm going with him, but I think that his main competition is Lou. Okay. I mean, Lou is a, I think, two or three-time six-man award winner. Um, he literally might have the award renamed after him someday. I mean, he is, when you think of the six-man of the year, he's one of the guys you think of. He's the leading bench scorer in NBA history, which is wild to think about. Like, that's an incredible stat. He's a beast. He's won the last two in a row. Yeah. I mean, he he just he comes off the bench, and he's a walking bucket, and he has been his whole career, and yep. he doesn't start ever. So, I mean, he's just always been an electric six-man. I'm going against you on this one, but I can also see why either Montrez Harrell or Lou Williams would win it. I'm going against it for a couple reasons. One, because I think that those two guys might kind of split the vote a little bit because they're on the same team. But my main reason why I'm disagreeing with you is because – I'm picking a guy who I think is more essential to his team's success, and that's Dennis Schroeder of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think because of how good the Clippers are and how loaded they are with superstars and just how good their starting lineup is, if they were missing either Lou Williams or Montrezl Harrell, they'd still be okay. On the other hand, I don't think the Thunder would do what they have done without Dennis Schroeder. Like the Clippers, for example, have both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard the Thunder don't have that kind of star power. Their biggest name is Chris Paul, who's still very good, but he's aged a little bit. He's not like he once was. And so the Thunder, who are very surprisingly the five seed in the West right now, really need Dennis Schroeder to be successful. I thought this stat was crazy, and you kind of alluded to it a minute ago. Dennis Schroeder, as the as a sixth man of the year candidate, is averaging more minutes per game than Giannis, the MVP candidate. I think that's wild. That's crazy. He's playing more than 31 a game off the bench? So I think Giannis is 30.9 minutes per game, and Schroeder is 31.0 minutes per game. I'm shocked by that, especially with Chris Paul and SGA. I mean, how is he? I, I wouldn't just, have guessed he's getting that many minutes. Yeah, they just play multiple small guard lineups all the time. He's averaging 19 points a game. Like they just they just cannot succeed without him. And for that reason, I'm I'm pushing him out there as my sixth man of the year. Fair enough. And Trudy's really good. He's been essential to the Thunder's success this year, as you mentioned, getting the five seed, or at least up to this point, the five seed slotted in the West. Um, but I think he's going to be maybe victimized by the better team bias, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to give the six man of the year award to the five seed. Yeah, um, it's, that's an interesting point. I mean, I kind of looked at it from the opposite perspective as far as like his team not being as good is why he's more essential. But you're looking at it from they like to give awards to better teams. So I can see it from both ways. Exactly. And I, I honestly feel pretty strongly about the uh, Montrez versus Lou here. And you've got Shruti. So does that mean we put it on the board? Uh, like like 50-50, like it's either Schroeder or Montrez slash Lou. You taking the field? I say, I say it with your chest, man. I mean, I feel like I I want to just because I don't feel like I need to back down from you right now, but I also feel like I need some odds there. Okay, well, I'll, I'm willing to throw out Magic City Lou, and let's just do Montrez Harrell versus Dennis Schroeder. Okay, just whoever finishes higher in the vote. Yeah. Okay. Put it on the board. Done on the board. All right, let's go. Let's move on to most improved player. Now, this isn't really the biggest award. Like people don't get super excited about who the most improved player of the year is. The reason I think it's fun to talk about is because this tends to be kind of like a jumping off point for guys to go from good players to superstars. If you look historically at who has won most improved player, it's a lot of guys that were making that leap to being like one of the premier players in the NBA. So who do you have for your most improved player this year? Yeah, it's funny that you introduce it like that because I don't 
think of this guy as a budding star. I think it's somebody who's already arrived. I mean, I'm going with Luka Doncic for the Dallas Mavericks here. Uh, One of the most exciting young players in the game. I think he's, what, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. He averaged 28-9-9 this year. That's insane. Yeah, he's just absolutely crushing it for the Mavs. And people think of him as... You know, he was this huge European prospect coming out of the draft two years ago. So people already thought of him as being really good. Uh, He started by winning the Rookie of the Year award. So I guess in people's minds, is it really that easy to win most improved player if you've already won the Rookie of the Year? Because that's Mm -hmm. a huge jump, but he made it. I mean, 28, 9, and 9, those are MVP numbers. And this guy is a future star, uh, future MVP. Yeah, I love Luca. I can't wait to watch whoever they play in the first round with Luca and Staffs. Like, that's just such a fun team to watch. Oh, yeah, they're going to be awesome. And, and, and Stapp's dealt with some injuries, but now he's he's fully back. He's averaging, I think, 19 points, 10 rebounds this year. They could make some noise in the playoffs. They really could. Yeah, my pick, I'm going a different direction. I'm going with Jason Tatum for a couple of different reasons. One, yes, his statistics are significantly better. He went from averaging 15.7 points per game last year to 23.6 per game this year. He also became a better rebounder and a better three-point shooter. But even probably more than that, the reason I'm picking him is just because he's kind of like assumed a new role. Like in the past, he was more down on the you know third or fourth option for the Celtics. And now he's their go-to guy for a team that is competitive. I just think he's kind of like made that leap towards the, the face of a franchise. And he's still very young. And I think he could continue to improve. I fully expect Jason Tatum to be, you know, full-blown NBA superstar in the very near future. I'm with you on that one. I love Jason Tatum. I loved him coming out of school, too. Uh, back in that draft when he went third overall, I think behind who? Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I didn't really get it. I thought at Duke, Jason Tatum showed a ton of promise. Um, I thought that he should have been the number one overall pick. Easy to say in hindsight now, but I promise I said it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I love Tatum. I think he's a future star. But um, in terms of most improved player this year, I'm going with Luka. He's a good reminder, Jason Tatum is, that we need to be more patient with people. Like, just because these kids get drafted at 19 years old and they're not immediately dominant doesn't mean that they weren't good picks or that we need to give up on them. Like, he's kind of following the exact trend that you would expect someone to, and now he is an absolute beast. He is a beast. And it's funny you mentioned that we give up on people too quick because sometimes I do the same thing. I'll have a knee-jerk reaction. But yeah, switching sports real quick. Um, I think I called Jadavion Clowney a bust after his first year in the league because he <laughs> dealt with an injury or two, didn't really light it up in terms of stats. So yeah, if I'm going to give myself credit for uh, saying Jason Tatum should have been number one in the draft over Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball, I got to call myself out on my stupid takes too. <laughs> but overall, yes, I- I'm with you on Jason Tatum. Very in on him. Uh, he's He's a buy. He is a bio. I also wanted to put one more thing out there just because it's something that's fun to think about is that it is actually possible that Pascal Siakam could win most improved player two years in a row, which I don't think has ever happened. He made a ton of improvements between 2018 and 2019, which is why he won it last year. But he's also made another leap this year. He's gone up significantly in his in his scoring. He's like a top 15. I think he's number 15 in points per game. Like how cool would it be if a guy actually won most improved player two years in a row? That would be insane. Uh, I don't think they'll do it, though. I remember it was a conversation a few years ago that Steph Curry was going to win the Most Improved Player Award the year after he won MVP, and they didn't do it, even though, I, in my opinion, he was the most deserving of it. Um, I just don't think the NBA will do that. They'll, they'll give it to somebody else. But I do love Pascal Siakam. He's great. He is a stud. Let's talk now about more kind of around the league. First of all, let's talk about some races for the number eight seeds, starting with the East. 
in my opinion, the race for the eight seed in the East is basically already over. You've got the Magic five and, a, five and a half games ahead of the Wizards with eight games left to play. So the chances of them being caught are very small. Anything to say right there? Yeah, I mean, my main thing to say is why were the stupid Wizards invited to the bubble again? I have no idea. That is kind of ridiculous why they would be invited. There's another team in the West that's like that too, but that's a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the odds for the eight seed race in the East, you've got the Brooklyn Nets at minus 280 to get the eight seed. They're currently slotted at seven. So Vegas is projecting them to drop down to the eight seed with all the injuries they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Of course, Kyrie Irving and Karen Durant are still out. Um, (laughs) They're projecting the Magic plus 250 to get the eight seed. So they're they're thinking they're going to jump them for the seven. Mm -hmm. And then the Wizards are plus 2,000 for the eight seed. So way behind. It's it's a two-horse race. I have no idea why the Wizards were invited. Yeah, that one's over. The West is a little bit different. You got the Suns, who are six games back. So for all intents and purposes, they are already out. But the Trailblazers, the Kings, and the Pelicans are all sitting three and a half games out, while the Spurs are four games out. So with all of those teams in the mix, there's a much higher likelihood that at least one of them kind of gets back in the race. I'm picking the Grizzlies to hold on to the eight seed because a three and a half game deficit with eight games left to go is still a really high mountain to climb. Like, for example, if the Grizzlies just go four and four in the last eight games, one of those teams that is three and a half back has to go eight and no in order to catch them. So I just I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen either. And the Memphis Grizzlies are one team that I was very wrong about this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I took a future on them to win. I think it was under 27 games, and they already surpassed that uh, before the shutdown. So I was very wrong about the Grizzlies. They have a lot of young talent. Like we mentioned, John Morant. Uh, They have Jaron Jackson. I think they're a pretty good team. They're a team to watch the next five years as they continue to grow, get some decent draft picks in there. Um, So I'm going with the Grizz. I think the Pellies, you know, might make it interesting. Uh, But yeah, it's got to be the Grizz. That's a really fun tandem to watch with Jaw and Jaron Jackson. Like, there's going to be a really fun kind of duo over the next few years, especially given how young they are. It's funny that you mentioned the Pelicans, and you were talking about earlier how Zion is kind of being force-fed upon us. The NBA seemingly really wants the Pelicans to get that eight seed. The Pelicans have the easiest schedule remaining with eight games left, while the Grizzlies have the hardest. So they do have some sort of a chance to come back. I just I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, don't be surprised if you see Tim Donaghy show up to ref a few of the Pelicans <laughs> games here down the stretch. Is he still in prison? I I don't know. I I think he's out. He wrote a book. I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Let's talk about some things that we're looking forward to, starting with some series that we really want to see in the playoffs. Do you have any series or, you know, potential matchups that you're really looking forward to seeing? I am dying to see one matchup, and I'm fearful that it may not happen because these teams are currently slotted for the fifth and sixth seed, Uh but I have to see Thunder versus Rockets. Okay, why? Because it it features two of probably the most spiteful players in the league who want nothing more than to stick it to their old teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Westbrook for the Rockets and Chris Paul for the Thunder. These guys were traded for each other last offseason. And rewinding to that last summer, that trade made no sense to me. From hey, the, I'm with you. From the Rockets' perspective, they were killing it. The only team in their way was the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. And once KD left the Warriors, they had a clear path, in my mind, to the finals. And I don't know why they blew it up. I thought that they should have kind of stuck with CP3 and Harden. That was a really good combo for them the last few years. And I guess that there was a little bit of kind of inner t- turmoil in the locker room between CP3 and Harden. But I would have loved to see them stick together for one more year. That will forever be frustrating to me. Just when the Rockets had the Warriors on the ropes. they I mean, they had them in every way. And then Chris Paul went down with that, I guess it was hamstring 
hamstring injury, right? Yeah. And then they just they couldn't hold on after that. Yeah, that was pretty tragic. But yeah, like I said, I mean, the Rockets were knocked out of the playoffs by the Warriors four of the previous five years. And then Katie leaves. I mean, just go for it. Yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, you pointed out that they are currently the number five and six seeds, but that's still very much possible. I mean, there's only two and a half games separating the three and the six seeds in the Western Conference. So a lot of kind of scrambling could happen within the last eight games. So that could very much happen. I My matchup that I really want to see the most also involves the Rockets, but it's what is currently seated right now, which is three versus six. I would love to see the Nuggets versus the Rockets. I think that'd be a really fun matchup. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The Nuggets are a ton of fun. Uh, Nikola Jokic, their center, is one of the most underrated players in the league, in my opinion. Um, he's averaging 20 points, 10 rebounds, and 7 assists this year. Really good passer for a big man. And I think I saw uh, in these exhibition games the last couple weeks, they've been experimenting with him a little bit at point guard. So I really want to see what they do there. I mean, Jamal Murray is a ton of fun scoring. Uh, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about the Nuggets? Yeah, this isn't a surprise trivia question, but... It wasn't too long ago that I had asked you to name like the top 10 players in NBA history in triple doubles, and Nikola Jokic is already in the top 10 all-time triple doubles. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I think just stylistically, that matchup would be really fun. I mean, the Rockets are doing the kind of extreme version of small ball where they're playing either P.J. Tucker or like Robert Covington at center a lot of the time. So, I mean, they're going 6'5 to 6'7 and smaller at every position. While at the same time, the Nuggets are big. They've got a lot of big guys, especially now when you're throwing Bull Bull into the mix. So, I think just stylistically, they could be really fun to see kind of those two two styles go up against each other. Yeah, Jokic, Bull Bull. Uh, they got Paul Millsap at the power forward position. He's kind of a savvy veteran with some playoff experience. So that could definitely be interesting. I, I think it's funny that we both mentioned the Rockets and the playoff matchups we want to see. I, I think that something we have to consider is that James Harden, I mean, what if when he's in the bubble and he's not able to go to a strip club like the night before a huge game six or seven what if that puts them over the top it really could you have no idea what's going to happen i mean just in general though i think that basically every matchup with the possible exception of the one versus eight in the west is going to be really fun anybody who ends up that in those two through seven spots is going to be awesome yeah, the West is going to be fireworks, and I wouldn't be surprised at all with, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say an 8-1 and upset, but a 7-2, 3-6 wouldn't surprise me at all. That could very well happen. The East is unfortunately a little bit different. I mean, I kind of think the Bucks are just going to run through everybody. What do you think about that? I agree with you there, and that's why the Bucks. I, I don't think that they're the best team in the league. I actually put them three behind the Clippers and the Lakers, okay. but it wouldn't shock me to see them win the finals just because I think that they're going to arrive pretty well-rested. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they had maybe more than one sweep on the way to the NBA Finals. They're going to be really well-rested. They should be very healthy and, and ready to rock. Yeah, I don't expect anyone in the East to compete with the Bucks. I think that Giannis and, and company are kind of on a demolition tour. Yeah, because there's kind of a lack of suspense, I don't necessarily have any first-round matchups, especially, that I'm looking forward to in the Eastern Conference playoffs. But there are a couple of teams that I'm really looking forward to watching. One would be the Philadelphia 76ers. They're currently sitting at the sixth seed, which is much lower than they should be given their talent level. I think whoever ends up at the three or, or whatever team is matched up with them in the first round is not going to like that matchup. Like That's a tough out in the first round for a top three seed in the East. 
Yeah, that that is a really tough six seed, and I think they're currently slotted to play the Celtics, which could be an incredible series. Yeah, I mean, they could be fun. If there are two teams that I think would be the most fun to square up with the Bucks, I think it's those two, the Celtics and Sixers. I mean, I would love to see uh, Giannis have to go against Embiid because uh, Embiid, mm-hmm. you know, he he's one of the most fun uh, players in the league. He's a big shit talker. He's gonna get in Giannis's face, try to get in his head, at least you know throw something a little different at him. And they're kind of playing out of desperation at this point because they have been underachievers the past couple years they're supposed to have gone farther than they have and brett brown is coaching for his job Mm -hmm. so i think they've talked the last couple weeks about how they're experimenting with ben simmons who's been a point guard playing him at power forward i mean i have no idea how that's going to work but they're they're backs against the wall nothing to lose so let's see how they come out yeah they've got an edge and they've got a couple of things that very few if any other nba teams have just we were talking about earlier Giannis being able to guard off guard all five positions if there's anybody in the NBA he couldn't guard, it might be Joel Embiid. I mean, he's maybe the only scary back-to-the-basket center left in the NBA. And you've got Ben Simmons with his size and passing ability and defensive ability. Like, that's that could, could be a tough team. It is a tough team, but I, I just don't understand the trying Ben Simmons out at four thing because his problem is that he can't shoot Mm -hmm. so he can't space the floor so it doesn't matter if you're playing him at point guard or the four if you don't have to guard him on the outside then that just kind of opens things up for the defense and if you don't play him at point guard then you're not using his full passing ability so i'm not sure i really get it but it will be interesting to watch yeah we'll see i mean i hope he can develop some sort of outside game because he could be a phenomenal basketball player yeah, he could. And, and before we move on from Ben Simmons, I don't know if you saw the meme the other day on social media. It was a picture of Ben Simmons just kind of standing there looking all jacked. And it said, this man slaps your girl on the butt. What do you do? And the caption was, well, my girl's a three, so he missed. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. I did see that in the bubble that Ben Simmons had gone fishing. Did you see this? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he went fishing and he caught a fish and then he tried to throw it back in the water and missed. It's just, yeah. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, he, he missed the ocean. Yeah, poor guy. All right, the other NBA team, the other Eastern Conference team, I should say, that I'm really looking forward to watching in the playoffs is the Miami Heat, mainly because I just love Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero bombing threes. Like, that is the most fun for whatever. It's just because of my background. That's all I can do in basketball. But that's my favorite duo to watch is just those two guys chucking up bombs. Tyler Hero is really fun to watch. Uh, kid out of Kentucky. Um, his his nickname on NBA Reference is Bucket. Let's go. Kid, kid's got a ton of swagger. Uh, when they built the barber shop for the NBA bubble, they were joking about Tyler Hero walking in there every six hours. Yep. You know how he keeps it real tight on the sides. He does. Uh, but yeah, Tyler Hero is a lot of fun. The Miami, Miami Heat are fun, uh, but I don't honestly give them any chance. I, I think they're a good team. They got Bam Adebayo, uh, but I, I just, I'm selling them. I'm with you. That's purely for entertainment purposes. I just don't really expect them to even compete with the Bucks. Let's talk about sneaky teams. Is there any team in the playoffs, either Eastern or Western Conference, that you expect to go possibly further than other people expect? Yeah, so we talked about the Philadelphia 76ers currently slotted at the six, so they would be matched up with the Boston Celtics at the three seed. It wouldn't completely shock me to see the Sixers take them down, but one that I want to mention, a couple guys we already talked about, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, the Mavericks are currently the seven seed in the West, one and a half games behind both the Thunder and the Rockets at the five and six. So if they could catch one of them and maybe play the Nuggets in mm-hmm. round one, I think they could make some noise there. Even if 
if they end up with the seven and play the Clippers, I mean, I know that sounds crazy because the Clippers are sick, but I don't know. I think the Mavs could make some noise. I would love to see that. I, I think the Mavs could take someone deep in the series, even if they, even if they don't win it. I think they go, could go pretty deep, and they're just so much fun. They are. Dude, you do not want to see Luke and Kristaps at the seven seed. I'm with you. So I've actually got two teams. My first one is one that I've already mentioned, and that is the Denver Nuggets. I know they're the three seed, but everyone already just assumes that the Lakers and the Clippers are going to meet in the Western Conference Finals. I think that the Nuggets have enough depth and talent to challenge those two teams and possibly make it further than people expect. I know you love the Nuggets. I mean, I I, I like them too, not quite that much. Um, But I I can't say that I am 100% assuming that it's going to be Lakers, Clippers, especially now that the the depth on the Lakers has been depleted a little bit with Rajon Rondo injuring his thumb, Avery Bradley opting out. I know that they added J.R. Smith to kind of help add some minutes there. Um, But I I don't know. The West is going to be kind of amazing to watch this year there are a lot of good teams don't get me started on the potential disasters of J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters on the same team what if those two guys and JaVale McGee are on the floor at the same time does anybody know the score no <laughs> it, it actually gives me a lot of anxiety to think about the Lakers in the finals against say the Bucks and the opportunity for J.R. Smith to make another boneheaded play at the end of the game and cost his team and LeBron specifically uh, a chance at a title that that gives me anxiety to think about yes I already have it from you just talking about it my other team that I'm really big on is the Rockets purely because of the style they play and the nature of playoff basketball. Like they completely live and die by the three. And with that kind of strategy, like you can either feast or famine, like they could go all the way or they could get knocked out first round. Like the team that comes to mind for me is the 2011 Dallas Mavericks when they went on the crazy run. They swept Kobe and the Lakers in the second round. They beat KD and the Thunder, I think, 4-1 in the next round. And then they beat the Heat with LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh 4-2 in the finals. Like, they just dominated that playoffs. And I just remember thinking when I was watching that, like, they never missed a three the whole playoffs. It didn't seem like they were just on fire. And yeah, like the, I think in that finals, they shot like 60% from the field or something. I yeah. mean, it was just it was insane. Yeah, they were lights out. And so the Rockets, with the way that the roster is structured, they could go out in the first round like very quickly, or if they're just hot, they could win the whole, like they could win the NBA finals if they just start bombing threes. Yeah. When you can shoot the lights out like that, you can beat anybody on any given day. So it wouldn't shock me to see them get hot. One thing that does hurt them is Eric Gordon just went down with an ankle injury. He's currently projected to miss two weeks, but if he misses any more time than that, I think that significantly hurts them. So we'll keep an eye on that injury as it pertains to the Rockets. And then before we move on, we, we were talking about the Mavs. We'll see if, you know, the 2011 team lightning can strike twice there. Um, I want to mention one more thing about the Mavs they were 21 and 12 on the road this year which is actually better than their home record Mm. so the only significance to that is they've proven they can play away from home so with all teams in kind of unfamiliar territory let's see if that provides them any kind of competitive advantage there yeah it's going to be a little bit different just with playoff seating and just going into considering playoff matchups realizing that teams don't have a home court advantage it's something that it it just hasn't really fully registered with me yet and it's going to be interesting to see how that affects series 
yeah, my brain hasn't fully adapted that to that yet. Like I keep thinking about these home court advantages and like the, as it like when we're looking at the seating, I think about where they're going to play. And like I caught myself the other day when I was looking at the uh, Thunder Rocket series and was like, I wonder if um, CP3 walking into Houston will get booed. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, he's going to be in the freaking bubble. <laughs> yeah. So biggest thing that I didn't really consider initially that is absolutely amazing is that because every game is in Orlando, the game times are awesome. Like for people on the West Coast, we don't have 10.30 games anymore. I didn't even think about that. I yes. love Central Time. It's awesome. So Great the, time zone. Exactly. Legendary time zone. The latest, the latest games for the NBA at the restart, at least for the regular season schedule, I'm pretty sure are 9 p.m. Eastern, which is sick. We can watch every game. That's kind of awesome. Does that mean that some start at like 6 p.m.? Actually, it's all day because they have few enough courts they have so few courts that like for the regular season at least i'm not sure how this is going to change with the playoff schedule but there's games starting like 1 or 2 p.m going all the way up till 9 p.m oh that's huge yeah it's huge if that happens in the playoffs work productivity out the door way down it's like the first weekend of march madness that thursday and friday nothing gets done yeah, you know how CBS has the boss button that you can hit when your boss is walking up behind you? Yep. Hopefully they add one of those for the NBA playoffs. They very much need to do That'd that. That'd be huge. Let's move on now to predictions. What do you think is going to happen in terms of kind of teams moving on and then ultimately having an NBA champion? So I'm going to start with the Eastern Conference just because I think that this one is a little boring. We mentioned that the Bucks are just going to blow right through this thing. I'm going with the Bucks over the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm going to do the Celtics their respective saying that they're going to lose it 4-2. So I'm, I'm saying they'll, they'll at least get a couple in there. Um, but I, I just I don't think that anybody's beaten MVP Giannis. Uh, Chris Middleton, who is another very underrated player, he's not just a you know 22 point scorer. He can also play some serious defense at six seven out on the wing. Um, so I'm going with the Bucks over the Celtics in the East. Who do you have in the East? Yeah, I've got the Bucks too. I just don't think there's much of a debate to happen here. I have the Bucks beating the Raptors in the conference finals rather than whoever you said. Who did you say? The Celtics. Yeah, the Celtics. Yeah, with okay. your boy Jason Tatum. <laughs> yeah, I had the Bucks over the Raptors, but I just think the Bucks are too good. They're they're deep. You didn't even mention Brooke Lopez, who, believe it or not, was kind of a sneaky defensive player of the year candidate this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some votes. He's a beast. Can also bomb some threes. Like they just have a lot of depth. That's a really really good team. Brooke Lopez, basketball reference nickname, Splash Mountain. Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Raptors. I, I like that pick. I feel like they're the most disrespected uh, defending champion two seed of all time. Mm-hmm. And you know why? Of course, they lost Kawhi Leonard, who's a top three, four player in the game right now, but they're still really good. They are. We didn't even mention, we didn't talk about coach of the year earlier, but I'm pretty sure Nick Nurse is going to win coach of the year. Like, what a job that guy's done to do what they've done this year without Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure there's any any real question about that. I think Nick Nurse wins Coach of the Year this year. The job he's done kind of developing Pascal Siakam, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Fred Van Vliet is becoming a, a pretty good player in the league. Um, the Raptors are a team to watch. I, I think that they've got a shot, but I'm going with Bucks over Celtics in the East. Cool. What do you think about the Western Conference playoffs? Uh, so this is the big one. If you would have asked me before the restart, I was going Lakers all the way, okay. um, but having lost Rondo, having lost Avery Bradley, I think it's a big hit to the rotation. I love the J.R. Smith edition. I think that they really needed that, even though he is susceptible to a boneheaded play uh, every now and then. Um, But the Clippers, they've got Kawhi, they've got Paul George, um, they've got Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams. I mean, they're just, they're so deep. And I think that the break 
just gives them so much of an advantage because they needed that recovery time. And they're they're just they got ten or eleven guys in their rotation. I just I really like the Clippers. Unfortunately, that's who I'm going with as well. Ah. I know. So I like the Nuggets. Like I said earlier, I think the Nuggets can compete with one of those two teams. More than likely, they're going to play the Clippers in the second round. But I think the Clippers are too good. Like, I just believe in Kawhi in the playoffs. Paul George is a stud. And then they have the best bench as far as actually being able to make a difference in the game. Not just kind of hold a lead like other benches do. But the Clippers bench kind of dominates other teams benches to some extent so that's going to put them at a distinct advantage so we've both got the bucks versus the clippers in the nba finals who's your pick to win it all so you know i love the clippers you know i love that they're well rested um they've got great depth i mean we we didn't even mention guys like pat beverly who's a dog at the point guard position he can guard just about anybody uh landry Shamet, shooting guard stroking threes they added marcus morris i mean they're so deep but I'm going in a different direction here. I am going with the Milwaukee Bucks MVP, back-to-back MVP. Giannis going to win his first title, start to uh, even further cement his legacy. Just thinking about that series in advance, I'm just trying to think about what the scores would be. I feel like that would be the lowest scoring NBA Finals in this little era of kind of high-scoring basketball ever. I mean, those two teams are just so stacked as far as defensive talent. You already talked about Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, where the Bucks have Giannis, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe. Those two teams are just stacked with athletes who love to play defense and are really good at it. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because they're loaded with incredible scorers, but mm-hmm. they yeah, they just play lockdown D. They're they're all long, they're all athletic, they they play great in rotation, they're well coached. So yeah, I mean you might have some ninety to eighty games, and then you might have one that's you know, one eleven, one oh four. You have no idea kind of where that's gonna go. But yeah, overall my prediction's gonna be Bucks and seven over the Clippers. Okay, yeah. The reason I would take the Clippers in that matchup is just because in the NBA finals or NBA playoffs in general, the game slows down and become so half court and you need these guys who are able to create shots on their own i feel like the bucks as good as they are only have one of those guys whereas the clippers have two to three i think Kawhi leonard paul george and even lou williams are so good at creating their own shots in half court whereas the bucks aren't quite as good at doing that Okay, I, I feel you on that. Um, one other thing I'd be really, really interested to see if the NBA Finals ends up being Bucks Clippers is how the Clips would defend Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's like we said, six eleven. He can get to the basket in a hurry. He, he takes freaking one dribble from half court. So I would be really interested to see is Kawhi big enough to guard him. Uh, I don't know, but they would definitely try. I mean, I think they would just do the whole thing where they just throw a bunch of bodies at him. I think it'd be a Kawhi part of the game. I think it would be. Um, Paul George part of the game. Who knows? They could throw like Patrick Beverly at him part of the game and throw support <laughs> help if he posts up. Like, just I don't dive know. at his knees. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be Montrez Harrell a lot. Yeah, it could be a lot of different guys. I mean, I think you can only defend that guy by committee. I don't think there's a really good answer as far as just a one-on-one defender stopping him in any way. Yeah, I mean, I think that for anyone who watched The Last Dance, I think they'd have to give him the Jordan treatment. Um, he, he comes into the lane, you knock him down. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, before we leave the NBA, let's talk about one piece of recent NBA news. The New York Knicks have just hired Tom Thibodeau as their head coach. Preston, what do you think about this hire? I think it is more or less irrelevant just because the Knicks are a dumpster fire. They are. They suck. 
Yes, they suck, and they've sucked for a while now. And it's it's just crazy because it's a huge market team. Um, they've got a ton of history. They play at Madison, Madison Square Garden that all players love to play in. But they just they have James Dolan, who's one of the worst owners in sports. Um, if you look at a year ago, remember when in the offseason they were supposed to sign uh, KD and Kyrie, and then mm-hmm. they were going to get the number one overall pick mm-hmm. and add Zion and just struck out 0 for 3 on those? That worked out. And not only that, it's like, once you get to that point, just tank so mm-hmm. that you can get another top five pick to add to RJ Barrett out of Duke and just start building a good roster. But what did they do? They go out and sign Julius Randle and Bobby Portis, mm-hmm. a couple you know decent veteran front court players, just to ensure that they're not good enough to win anything, but they're also not good enough to get a top five pick. Yeah. They're currently slotted for six in the lottery with you know, who knows what that's going to land them, but it's not going to be great. I just don't understand what the Knicks are doing. Yeah, they are terrible and they have nothing on the horizon to even remotely look forward to. They're just, they're like you said, they're a dumpster fire. Yeah, it's just, it's a poorly run organization. And I was reading the article on ESPN the other day that said, is Tom Thibodeau the right hire for the Knicks? Um, You know, you look at franchises and a great coach can elevate a team that's kind of on the brink and have them take that next step, much like we saw Steve Kerr do with the Warriors uh, a few years ago after Mark Jackson got fired from there. But a great coach can't take a team that has no talent and that is very poorly run and just take them to the top. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's amazing to me just how bad they've become at recruiting free agents like that team with that market in that arena should be able to get somebody should be able to convince somebody good to, to come to their team and they just can't do it it's like when you see these college football teams in the recruiting that they kind of lose the winning culture and then it's just so hard to regain momentum that's what the knicks are stuck in right now and there's there's no end in sight unfortunately for them they just can't get it back Right. Unfortunately, Bobby Portis is not much of a consolation prize for Knicks fans. But yeah, we'll, we'll see if they can turn it around. But I, I think that Tom Thibodeau is just kind of the, the next scapegoat in town. Yeah, I'm not sure that he's the answer. He's already been fired twice in the last five years. Generally hasn't been super successful as a coach unless he has a star like Derrick Rose. And also, he's kind of developed this reputation of running players into the ground and being overly tough on them, which the young guys already are not going to like. I just don't I don't see this going well. So with that being said, let's take it on over to another sport. Let's move on to the other sport that's happening right now, which is Major League Baseball. Big news coming out this week is that the Marlins are up to whatever their 18 positive tests on their team. They've had a full week of games postponed. And because of that, the Phillies and Yankees had to be postponed because the Phillies were just previously in contact with the Marlins. What you got on that one? Well, it's certainly unfortunate for the Miami Marlins having 18 guys test positive. Of course, we wish them all well, but I, I think it's huge that the Phillies had nobody test positive. I mean, I think they've had back-to-back days where everyone tested negative because you, you would hate to see for the trickle-down effect start to happen with the scheduling in Major League Baseball. But I actually saw, it was Buster Olney tweeted the other day that the Marlins, while obviously this is a concern and we want them to get back as quickly as they can, um, there, there's precedent for for teams in Major League Baseball not having to play the exact same amount of games. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if that doesn't happen. I think um, if the Marlins end up playing 54, 55, and the rest of the teams play 60, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's precedent for it after the strike in 1981 where teams didn't all play 162 games. So we will uh, we'll see how MLB handles it, but I'm, I'm hoping that it stops with the Marlins and we can get past it. 
it's huge for them to be able to contain it within one team. If one team gets it and they can shut down that team's games for a week and then later they can make them up with double headers, you know, as long as no individual player gets really, really sick, then that's about the best case scenario for baseball. Um, the, yeah, like you're saying, the fact that the Phillies didn't get it from there and then the Phillies didn't play the Yankees and so it didn't spread from there, like that's huge as far as the season being able to continue and building some optimism for us ultimately to be able to finish. Yeah, of course. We we hope that we're able to finish. Um, the funny thing about it is, like I mentioned, that the teams might not end up playing the same amount of games. So in that case, they have to go uh, by winning percentage. So um, the the Marlins might end up winning the National League East at two and one point point six six seven, baby. I, what a, what a season! I certainly hope not. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen. But moving on to another piece of uh, big MLB news: um, Joe Kelly, relief pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, became a legend last night. Joe Kelly is the absolute goat. I freaking love that guy. Joe Kelly, a man of the people, did not, he he wasn't even on the 2017 team that got cheated against in the World Series, but he still came out swinging last night. Um, He threw a pitch behind Alex Bregman uh, and then threw another one kind of at the head of Carlos Correa. Um, (laughs) Carlos Correa was luckily able to get out of the way, but after he threw one at his head, he struck him out, I think on the next pitch on a Mm -hmm. nasty slider and then as he was walking back to the dugout kind of started mocking Carlos Correa what did he say to him I think he read his lips he said a few things the first thing he said is you got to cheat to hit which is awesome yeah I love that and then uh he called him some profane words which I will not repeat on this broadcast but yeah and best of all he hit him with the uh, are you gonna cry face with the yes. with the little pouty lip I think that was kind of the the picture circulating on social media today but Joe Kelly legend Joe Kelly is a legend unfortunately he's been suspended for eight games for this and his manager Dave Roberts has been suspended for one but well worth it to become an immortal man of the people yeah, and, and the eight-game suspension just seems so heavy. I mean, they always go longer for pitchers just because you're not you know, playing every day like position players, but they're saying that that's the equivalent of a 22-game suspension in a normal 162-game season. That is stiff. That is stiff. Yeah, they're clearly trying to make an example out of Joe Kelly and the Dodgers and Dave Roberts so that other teams don't follow suit and do the same thing. I mean, personally, I hope this doesn't deter other teams from doing the same thing because I want the Astros just to get it all year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that this happened. It was inevitable, especially with these two teams playing this earlier, this early in the season. I'm actually kind of surprised that Major League Baseball didn't change that up, but they just did what they had to do. I mean, Rob Manfred and MLB has to intervene and protect the Astros, um, but it's just unfortunate that Joe Kelly gets eight games and the Astros who cheated get they they got suspended for. Zero. Yeah, that sucks. Like nothing really came of it. The benches cleared and they kind of like, you know, talked back and forth for a minute, but there weren't, weren't any punches thrown. There wasn't a fight that happened. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is not the last that we see of this kind of deal this year with the Astros. I expect hopefully a lot more of it. Yeah, and at, at the beginning of episode two of our podcast, we quoted a uh, famous American poet, Robert Frost, who said that the Astros would have a lot of pitches thrown at their heads this year. And it, it's funny to see that already coming to fruition. Is that where that came from? That is exactly where that came from. All right, moving on to another sport. There was a big announcement in college football today. The ACC announced they will have an 11-game schedule beginning on September 12th, which is a couple weeks after the season normally would have started. Each ACC team is going to play 10 conference games as well as one non-conference game of their choice, but that non-conference game has to be played within their home state 
and then also Notre Dame, since they are an independent school that does not normally have a conference, but they already had six ACC games on the schedule, will be included in this, and they will play a full ACC schedule. What do you think of this announcement? Well, I think it's certainly positive news. I mean, it seemed pretty ominous when the ACC came out, came out a couple weeks ago and said they would not be playing anything uh, out of conference. So this is great to see. Ten conference games plus Notre Dame. Um, Notre Dame joining a conference is something people have kind of been clamoring for for years. So I'm wondering if this is going to be step one of them joining the ACC or really joining any conference. But it excites me to give or to get you know one other credible program um, who might square up with Clemson. Mm-hmm. And the ACC championship because they just kind of have a perennial cakewalk to the playoff at this point. So I, I think it's interesting, and more than anything, it's just it's good news for positive football. There there might be light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah, a few kind of takeaways. One is that it's optimistic as far as football happening, college football happening. Two is I'm excited that Clemson might actually have to play somebody. I saw that there are no divisions within the conference this year, but the two top winning percentage teams will play one another for the ACC championship and Notre Dame is eligible for that. I am a little bit bummed that the Chick-fil-A kickoff games that were supposed to happen, such as Georgia, Virginia will no longer happen, but Hey, I'll take whatever I can get at this point. On a personal level, I'm definitely very bummed that we're not going to be able to see the Chick-fil-A game between Georgia and Virginia to start the season. I was really looking forward to that one, and we'll we'll see what kind of trickle-down it has um, on SEC scheduling going forward. But um, yeah, that, that's enough on college football. Let's, let's switch over to NFL. Um, I think the biggest news the last few days have been some pretty decent players opting out of this season. Uh, who have you seen so far? Yeah, there's been a couple of big opt-outs. I know like the Patriots, for example, are taking a beating with opt-outs the last couple of theirs were Dante Hightower who's really the captain of that defense and Patrick Chung who's been a safety kind of a a fixture in their lineup for a long time also the Chiefs who already had one of their starting offensive linemen gone also lost Damian Williams to opting out today so that's kind of a big storyline as far as um, you know majorly affecting teams starting lineups coming into the next season yeah, absolutely. And I think another one that you had mentioned is Giants offensive tackle Nate Solder opted out. He was their prize in free agency last year, and that's going to be a huge loss for them. I mean, what's there's not a whole lot of positions more valuable on an NFL team than left tackle. Um, so they're, they're going to have uh, Danny Dimes kind of running for his life this year. Yeah, we still have a lot of time left before the NFL season. I mean, like Nick Markakis, for example, for the Braves today in baseball, who had previously opted out, decided to return to the team. So who knows whether or not that could happen in football. There's a lot of time left for things to develop, but um, I'm hoping that this doesn't continue because that would really kind of water down the NFL season. That's a good point. And and like in the case of Nick Markakis, you know, maybe we get closer to the season. Circumstances have changed. Um, it sets in for some of these dudes that that, you know, eight million dollar paychecks not coming through. So that could have an effect on their decision going forward. And and before we leave this topic, uh, you mentioned Chiefs running back Damian Williams opted out. That's a big one for fantasy football people out there. If you are a fantasy guy, uh, you probably know that the Chiefs spent their 32nd overall pick in the first round on Clyde Edwards Hilaire running back out of LSU you a really good running back and pass catcher I think he caught 50 60 something balls uh, for LSU this year from Joe Burrow Um, his stock kind of it it blows the doors off his fantasy stock I mean he he's going to be maybe a first round pick at this point Uh, really interested to see how that develops as a Georgia fan I mean that guy kind of annoyed me because he destroyed us but he is awesome. That guy can play. Yeah, he. I think he's like 5'7", 220. He's built like uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, 
but he's just an athletic freak. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's great. I remember there were a lot of Darren Sproles comps coming out of college, but he's bigger than Darren Sproles. I mean, he catches just as well. He's not going to be a part returner, I don't think, like Darren Sproles, but he catches the ball really well out of the backfield, and it got just a little, like, fire hydrant that's really hard to tackle. Like, oh, I love that guy. I love how he plays. Yeah, and with, with Damian Williams out of the picture, I mean, maybe it'll be a little bit of a committee with Daryl Williams, but if it's not, he kind of steps into the Kareem Hunt role from a few years ago where he could just light it up. That's right. All right, everybody. That's going to be it for episode four of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. We've got another episode coming out on Monday where we need more questions for the Monday mailbag. So if you have any questions, please send them in to mailbag at gmail.com. That's sysmailbag at gmail.com. Preston, any other words to say for the fans? So Landon mentioned the Gmail mailbag. Again, you can also download the Anchor app and send us voice recorded messages, which we'd love to play on the podcast and respond to your questions that way. Also check us out on Instagram. We will post an Instagram story where you can ask us questions that way as well. In the meantime, the NBA is back. Clippers, Lakers, Thursday night, 1030. Check it out. Enjoy some NBA basketball. Have a good weekend. Thank you all so much for listening. See you soon.